Welcome to What's New on the Scene. Today I'm chatting with Miranda from M Media Productions. Would you like to introduce yourself and sort of the origin story of your work as a photographer, videographer, and I guess also in the film and documentary space as well? Um, yes, so I'm Miranda Sharp and I am the founder and creator of M Media Productions. Um, I think it started in 2016 by memory. Um, so I finished film school in 2016 and then started just doing like videography work, starting to get my first sort of jobs um, and then sort of started to create the brand around what I was doing um, in terms of like social media. Um, but I guess the origin story of where it actually started was, to be honest, from childhood, which I know it's a bit of a historical story. But um, I was thinking about it today and I was like, where did it start? Did it start in 2016 when I finished film school or did it start before that? Like, where did this idea come from? And basically, like, from when I was a kid, I would always watch movies. I was always obsessed with movies, quite compulsive in watching movies. Um, and the ones that I would like compulsively watch would be um, Edward Scissorhands, Beetlejuice and Drop Dead Fred. So on rotation, I would have these like three movies going on and on and on, um, stop one then start the other and go back to the other one. But I think what I loved about them is the stories from them and just, you know, I guess Tim Burton with, Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands, just the creativity and the characters and the set designs and costume designs and everything like that. So I think as a kid, I was just naturally always drawn to storytelling um, and cinema in general. Um, and even, you know, at that age, I'm talking like five, six, seven, I'd always watch with my nonna the old Elvis movies, like on the Saturday um, Arvo. She'd always put it on. I'd always love, you know, watching Elvis like dance and, you know, sing and stuff like that. And I think I just always, it's always got good memories wrapped up in like watching films at that age. Um, and so I think basically from that, from that love and kind of compulsion to watch movies, I think I have always been obviously interested in the craft. Um, and then the natural progression from that was going to uni. So I'm from Melbourne and I've, got a arts degree um, and majored in film theory um, and sociology from Monash Uni. And so I kind of did that, learned the theory of film, the history of film, which I really liked. And then I moved to Newcastle in 2012. And then 2016, I went to the Newcastle TAFE to film school. And I think basically mixing that idea of like learning the theory of film, the history of film, the art of film, and then mixing with the practicality from film school they kind of just merged to create a media <laughs> and that's where it began. Um, but yeah, I think the origin there, it wasn't very much a conscious decision. I think it just naturally evolved from childhood being in love with film. And I think it just naturally progressed to where it is now. In terms of the, I guess, style of you know, art that you create, what techniques do you use and is there any themes throughout your work? So the style, I guess, um, what I try and aim and do is definitely bring narrative into what I create. So like, yes, film is narrative based and story based anyway, regardless. But I do a lot of like music, 
clips. So I do like music, um, music clips, band clips, band promos, um, and business promos. So for businesses, but I think what I try and do is bring that cinematic element into it. So I use, um, kind of that like old Hollywood technique of storytelling where it's using these kind of interesting shots. It's using gimbals. It's using a lot of color grading. So I like to use really vibrant colors in what I do. Um, I tend to use characters in what I do. So it's not very usual in band, oh, sorry, um, business promo videos, like advertisements to use a, a center character to that. But I tend to kind of like create a character, create a world around that and try and represent what the business is. Um, and how, how I can create the business as its own mini movie, I guess you can say. Um, and, you know, I do use a lot of gimbal work. So it's essentially gimbal is, um, a, it's like a, a steady cam type, um, equipment that you put your camera on and it counteracts each move. So it's like a smooth motion. Um, so I use a lot of gimbal work to have smooth one take kind of shots, um, which movement is quite cinematic. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh my head, hang on. I've made notes, I've made notes. Um, techniques and type. But yeah, with what I noticed too is with a lot of brand videos at the moment um, and business advertisements, it's all the same type of shots. So there's not really a narrative to it. It's more just um, a lot of close-ups and a lot of very basic static shots of the business itself rather than actually telling a story of what the business is and trying to kind of convey to the audience and sell them the kind of world of the business. So I did a shoot for Frankie's Noodles at the start of the year, um, did a little promo shoot. So it was a central character to that, um, a friend of mine, and she just kind of walks through the, um, through Frankie's Noodles you kind of just follow her on this kind of journey of what that business is. Um, yeah, I don't know if I answered the question properly, but what techniques do I use? I guess that's it. Essentially what I'm trying to do is bring cinema to the small screen. That's what I'm trying to do. Was there a moment where you decided that, I guess, focusing on music was an area of interest, you know, when it became an area of interest for you and, I guess, has that changed over time? Have you changed your interests or do you think you'll follow through and stay with this? Um, so it kind of happened, again, just sort of by circumstance. So um, my partner, Ryan, who's in Huckleberry and the Devil's Dandruff, um, so he's a musician. And through um, essentially meeting him and being with him, I've been exposed to a lot of his network in the music industry. And so a lot of, you know, I've gotten a lot of word of mouth and um, bands approaching me, wanting me to film little clips for them and film clips and promos and stuff like that. So it kind of just evolved from that, um, which has made it, you know, I guess quite easy for me when I've got a network already set up there with musicians. But I mean, generally speaking, I enjoy doing like music, little promos and clips because it's just fun to mix music to something. So it's like, you don't have to do a big production. You can just do like jump in and do a little promo or do a music clip um, and kind of work with the bands and get to know them and get to know what their music is. And because they're all varying degrees of music, um, each clip is going to be so different. So you kind of learn as you go 
and approach each job differently, which is, I find really stimulating creatively. Um, one of the bands I work with is they're the no ones. So they do like real rock and roll, like heavy rock um, type of thing. So they're kind of fast paced and you've got to kind of be in there with your gimbal and be on stage and it's real rock and roll and kind of down and dirty. So that's like that sort of type of shoot. But then you can have, um, you know, Lachlan X Morris that I've worked with a few times where that's more kind of playful and fun and silly and sort of slapstick. And then you've got to kind of change your techniques based on who you're working with. So I think like working with musicians is good because each band is so different that you've got to actually think how do you represent them as their band rather than just applying the same rule to all of them. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. What genre of music do you like to, I guess, photograph and film music videos for the most? Genre. I think, to be honest, there's not particularly one genre. I prefer to do more, I mean, rock and roll. I'm always going to love that. I'm always going to love kind of rock and roll, cool kind of vibes. Um, but like I was saying before, that it every genre is I enjoy because they're so different that it challenges me creatively to think how, because it's not just the actual bands that you're representing, it's the actual style of music. So it's like, you know, if you're doing a jazz band promo, the way that you actually edit it and the pace that you edit it in and the types of um, shots that you choose is going to be very different to um, someone like the No Ones who's very fast paced, down and dirty, rock and roll, grungy kind of stuff. So there's not really like one particular genre I enjoy more. I actually like them all because they're all so different that it's like a challenge, I guess, each time. <laughs> like, how am I going to do it? <laughs> yeah. Um, what is your favourite project or, I guess, you know, music video or, you know, photography that you've done? And I guess what sort of equipment do you use to create the art that you do? So... The equipment that I use, um, so in the first lockdown, COVID-19, 2020, I took out $10,000 of my superannuation, um, as a lot of people did at that point. Um, and I spent all of it on new equipment because if I was going to invest in it, this is a may as well invest while in lockdown, right? Um, so... I bought myself, I've always wanted a Blackmagic camera. So they're a, essentially a cinema camera business brand um, that provide like beautiful cinema, cinema camera, cameras um, and editing software. Um, so I bought a Blackmagic pocket cinema camera. Um, I bought myself a 35 mil lens, which is basically like a large format um, cinema lens. Um, and so I basically use that as for my cinema stuff. And then I've got my gimbal and another camera for my gimbal. I'm a little Panasonic camera that I use for just more run and gun kind of band live shoots and stuff like that. Um, so that's basically the equipment that I use a lot more. Um, most stuff I use my gimbal um, because I do a lot of live band shoots. That's just easier. And I love the movement of it. Um, so I keep saying, um, <laughs> sorry, I just like, um, you have to cut that out. It's, uh, <laughs> anyway, I've done interviews where you could like cut out the ums. I'll try not to, um, um, it's like my thing is like, um, but yeah, I use the gimbal a lot. 
because of just live shoots. It's just easier, run and gun, love the movement. Um, I used to dance ballet when I was quite young. So I think just naturally having that, I guess, muscle memory, you can say, or that movement, I've really taken a liking to the gimbal because I love to just have it as essentially an extension of me. So it's like as I'm filming the bands, I'm literally like one leg's on the stage. I'm right in trying to get the drummer, come back, you know, go up right up close to the lead singer, come back, and I kind of just keep that fluid motion going. Um, so I think the dancing when I was young really does inform that for me, almost like a I see it as a dance and I change my movement based on what song is playing at that time. Um, because usually bands will go, I want to have, I'm doing a gig, it's our launch of our new single or our new album. And they'll just essentially say, okay, song two and song five is what I want you to record. So it's a one take shot. You've got one take, um, you know, you can't, if you make a mistake, that's it. It's one take live. And so I'll start to listen to like the first kind of few songs, start to get the rhythm because usually bands keep the same type of rhythm throughout it. And then I write, all right, this song's the one that I've got to shoot. And then based on how, how I know I'll understand their music, I just go in and do it sort of based on my internal rhythm of their, of how they sound. Um, because these are a lot of the times the songs I've never heard before. Like I've never heard them and I just have to go and guess where the next you know, solo is going to be or whether, you know, next drum solo is going to be. Um, so that's really fun. But I think because of my history in dancing, I can predict sort of where it's going to go next almost or where the beat's going to stop or where it's going to move to almost. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the equipment that I use the most. Um, but my favourite shoots, to be honest, is I've got a couple. So my most recent larger thing I guess you can say I've done it's Sad Cowboy so that was based off a song called MMM by the Howling Rats in Newcastle so a friend of mine's band um, Mitch is in the band who owns Kiss and Crackle Records um, in Wall's End I think it is so they just played at a friend's birthday party and I heard that song for the first time and then instantly that clip just came to mind into my brain and I was like I have to make this I have to make it a cowboy that's how I view it that's how I see it so I got a friend of mine Lachlan Dunn um as the cowboy um and I said oh he always dresses in like 70s outfits like he's always got the best fashion I've ever seen in my life hangs out the last a lot of you know I'm sure people have seen him around and I just messaged him and said oh do you want to be a cowboy in one of my films and he was like uh yes actually and he came to the shoot with multiple outfits which I thought was um amazing so we did that, which I thought was really cool because it was actually the first kind of creative art piece I've done that was actually more for myself rather than a job. So it was more like an artistic kind of, I guess, representation of my own creative outlet, I guess. Um, so the way that I shot it and the way that I edited it and the way that it was produced was exactly how I saw it that night when I heard that song for the first time. So that to me is always going to be a special type of film for myself because I think it was just about me and what I wanted to do and experiment with. Um, so it was essentially based off my nonno, so he's my grandfather. He used to, um, when I was little, he used to draw like cowboys. Like we used to draw together little sketches. And so I always wanted to do something with cowboys and always wanted to kind of experiment with that. So that was a really good kind of, opportunity to use that idea for something um 
I guess, yeah. What else? Sorry, I feel like I'm rambling, but I guess it's an interview. So <laughs> you kind of need me to talk. <laughs> um, I guess, too, the second one, though, the kind of standout for me would be the... Oh, I've got two minutes. No, I'll just... I'll keep it simple. Um, so the second one for me would be one of my first uh, film clips that I did um, was for The Silly Season by Huckleberry and the Devil's Dandruff. So that was a Christmas song that they recorded at RTN Studios back in 20, the Christmas of 2021. And that clip was a challenge for me because it was, I think I put too much pressure on myself where I kind of tried too hard to make it perfect. And I was like, this is how it has to be. And I storyboarded everything down to like the T, like everything was structured, everything was codified everything to every detail of the costume was written down and everything had to be exactly the way that I wanted it to be. And I'm still really happy with it and I'm still really proud of it. But I think what I realized after it was all produced and all done was that it was almost too structured where you can actually see that in the clip. And it, there was not enough movement and there was not enough kind of playfulness. And I think so from that, I kind of learned that I've got to actually just relax a little bit and stop being so regimented in my filmmaking because this is stifling to watch. And so actually from that, that's where I kind of picked up my gimbal and was like, you need more movement. It's too static. Become movement. You need movement. You need to create that world. So that kind of, that's why it's one of my favourites because that kind of sparked from that kind of, I guess like not failure, but reflection on it that kind of change may spark this kind of new direction of you've got to be moving and that's who you have to be as a filmmaker. Um, and that's how that started. Yeah. <laughs> what is your creative process like and what advice would you give some up and coming filmmakers or photographers about pursuing the career that they want to? So my creative process is actually kind of weird. Um, so basically it just kind of comes to me, which I know it sounds weird, but I'll like hear a song or I'll see someone out having a coffee or I'll see an interaction between two people or I'll see a color of a cup and the light shining through the afternoon, you know, window or something like that. And then it'll just kind of come into my brain kind of like little quick snapshots and I can see the whole thing processed and edited and created exactly how I'm going to do it. And then from that, I'll just go out and do it because it's already been kind of, I guess, discussed in my brain with myself. Um, so I know like usually a filmmaker will get an idea, research, then they'll get um, storyboards together, get their concepts together get all their, you know, equipment lists and stuff like that and organise it all um, and then create the final product. I kind of do it the opposite way where I've already got the end product already in my brain and then I kind of work backwards. But I don't know, it's just always happened to me since I was like a kid. I'd always um, just make up movies in my head, essentially, and I'll just zone out. And when I was bored at school or bored at home or whatever, I'd just zone out and just make up movies in my head and then sort of come back to them later and make up more characters and I don't know what that is. But I think I just, I'm so emotively motivated by, um, I guess, storytelling that 
it's this kind of natural, like kind of like an, a natural, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I guess it just kind of, it comes to me naturally, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Without me, it's almost like I can't control it. So if I, like, it would just, the idea would just pop into my head. I know exactly what I want to do. I know exactly how I'm going to do it. And then I'll just go and do it. Um, that's how I do it. Usually that's not how you're meant to do it. That's how I do it. Um, but what advice I would give is number one, you don't need to go to film school. So I've had a lot of, um, with M Media, I've had a lot of um, younger people message me and just say, oh, what's your advice about, how, like, should I approach it? Should I go to film school? These are the ones I'm thinking of, or what equipment should I get and stuff like that. So that's really nice to know that people, or my followers, I guess, feel comfortable approaching me and asking for advice because I want to be there and give them advice and be like, hey, with my, you know, I think I've been doing this for almost 10 years. With what I've learned, I can save you a lot of time. Like just, I can tell you what I would do differently because, you know, but number one, you don't need to go to film school. And yes, definitely it does provide you with the skills. It provides you with information that you need. But now in terms of YouTube and like social media and um, a lot of tutorials you can find on YouTube, which I still use. So even when I'm editing and I don't know how to do something, I'll look on YouTube for a tutorial. So I do that. Um, you can learn how to do it. So if you want to save yourself a bit of money, literally just pick up a camera, get a camera. You can get them not, you know, too expensive. Get just a 50 mil, mil lens and then a wide angle lens, so like a 24 mil, 12 mil lens. Get those two and just start shooting. Experiment. Because the thing is, you're going to fail. Um, even the best filmmaker still fails because as an artist, you're always learning and you're always unlearning bad behaviors that, you know, why did I do that? There's so many shoots that I've done where I look back at, get it back to my computer and go, why did I choose to shoot that? Why didn't, if I just turned the camera like, you know, 10 degrees that way, I would have gotten a better shot, but it just is what it is. So you don't need film school, learn it online, get yourself a camera and just start experimenting. Be okay with failure because you're going to fail. People, not everyone's going to like what you do. And that's okay. You don't need to get everyone to like what you do. Um, it's not about that. It shouldn't be about getting those likes on Instagram or getting those likes on Facebook. You, you have to do it for yourself and enjoy what you do for yourself because there'll be times when, you know, there'll be something that you put out and you're really proud of it and you think it's the best that it can be and you're so happy that you've done it. And then you'll get people that say that it's boring or it lacks something or they don't understand it or they don't get it which I've had before um, and that knocked me around a little bit for a while, but you come back from that and you realize that it's actually not about that. It's great to get, to get people's, um, I guess, reviews or their um, comments on it because that helps you kind of change things or see it from a different perspective, but be okay with failure because you're going to get it. And the only way to bounce back in the industry is to be okay with criticism. So that's probably all I'll advise. And also practice, keep practicing and use the people around you to experiment on. So like use family members, use friends, use your friend's band, go and experiment because once you're getting paid, you want to kind of experiment and fail and kind of work all that stuff out, hash it out a little bit before you start going for jobs because people aren't going to be too happy if um, you're charging 600 bucks and you haven't really done the groundwork to 
get yourself to a level that deserves that kind of paycheck, I guess you can say. Um, but yeah, practice, don't need film school, be okay with failure. Good. <laughs> what is the best advice that you are being given yourself by a mentor, collaborator, or even friends and family about succeeding with your career? So the best advice I've been given is from a mentor of mine in Melbourne. So like I was saying before, I'm from Melbourne and I used to work for these people. Um, so she's from Hong Kong and she's married to a Parisian pastry chef. So they own a little Parisian patisserie in Bay Street in Brighton in Melbourne. Um, it's called Moi by Fabrice. And I worked there for like five years, four years while I was at uni and their work ethic really did influence how I am today. Um, and one of the, she was always really good at advice and she was my mentor and, you know, the best. And one day I was talking to her about something, I think it was like uni or something like that. And she just turned around to me and she said, there are no shortcuts. And if there is, you've done it wrong. And I don't know why, but that's always stuck with me because you can definitely find ways that it, to make a process easier and quicker, but if you shortcut it, you actually shoot yourself in the foot and you don't do your job properly. And I've even learned this with sort of M media, and especially when I was like starting out when I was much younger and trying to kind of shortcut things or not setting up lighting properly or not setting up the shop properly or not focusing properly and be like, oh, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. And then you get back to the editing suite and if you had just spent a few more minutes kind of thinking it out more, you would have gotten the shot that you could have used, but now it's just essentially wasted and you can't use it. So that has always stuck with me. And I think that's just good advice in general, that if you're going to essentially do something, just do it properly, do it properly from the start and you'll thank yourself later. Um, and I guess the second piece of advice actually came from my partner, Ryan from Huckleberry and the Devil's Dandruff. Um, who said one night I was feeling a little bit insecure, I guess, about my art, which I think a lot of artists tend to be or tend to do, I guess. Um, and I can't remember why I was feeling that. I was just feeling a little bit down on myself and didn't think that maybe I had what it takes to kind of succeed in that industry. And um, I think I have a tendency to definitely get psyched out when I start to kind of view, I guess, my peers. And, you know, they're creating this amazing work and they're, you know, putting themselves out there and doing all these amazing things. And I think it psyched me out at that point, which is why I started to feel a bit insecure about my position, even though, you know, now I look back at what I've done and I'm really proud of my achievements. Um, but anyway, what he said to me was he's like, you know, you're not competing with them, you're competing with yourself. And I think that changed me in terms of it actually flipped the narrative that stop trying to compare yourself to everybody else and what you haven't done or what they have done and you're trying to get there or they're trying to get where you are or whatever. Stop that narrative and actually think about how you're competing with yourself. And I think if you aim, well, I do aim with each job that I do, you look back and go, mm, next time I probably do that differently or oh, I probably should have shot that a little bit different. And I do that every job because every job I get better and every job changes the way that I view it. And I think even as an artist, a filmmaker, anyone, if you look at your final result, your final shoot, 
and you go, that's perfect, there's nothing more that can be changed, you have failed as an artist and a filmmaker because there's always room for improvement, always a way that you could have represented something differently, always food for thought, you know, and this industry does not hero people who are arrogant and are overconfident. You can definitely be overconfident and have confidence in yourself, but it does not hero it. It actually is quite um, transparent. And the, yeah, the industry does not award, uh, reward that. They actually, the industry rewards experimentation and risk taking. So if you put yourself out there, give it a go, even if it fails, you've, at least you've tried. Um, so I think, yeah, I guess coming back to advice as well for people starting off in the industry and wanting to, you need to take the risks and take them early in your career and prove to the industry that you're not scared to really give it a go. Don't be safe. And there's nothing more boring as an artist or a filmmaker who's too safe and they just sit back and do what everybody else has done for a hundred years. That's not going to revolutionize the industry that's not going to change anything you're just the same as everybody else and there's no innovation so who would you say have been the most influential people you know throughout your whole career and your life that have allowed you to be where you are today so the most influential people in terms of I'll split up into two categories so artistically the most influential people have been by far my influences are uh, Jim Jarmusch, who's like an art house kind of New York filmmaker from the 80s. He's kind of gotten a bit bigger now, um, but he has worked with like Tom Waits before Tom Waits was anything. They had a bit of a bromance going on um, in Down by Law um, and just did some really cool, grungy, black and white, um, really long takes in what he does. So he would essentially just set up the camera and has very like naturalistic acting. So he, he kind of just lets pretty much unknown actors at that point just kind of talk naturally, which kind of really sparked my interest in it because I hadn't really seen any filmmaking like that before where it was very quite removed, I guess, from um, the camera, just letting people be who they are. Um, and Wong Kar Wai, who is a Hong Kong filmmaker from the 90s. Um, so he has done some amazing work and he influences a lot of my color grading. So he uses a lot of um, very vibrant, saturated colors, um, which was an aesthetic for the nineties, but he kind of took it to a different level and um, definitely has influenced my color grading aesthetic, I guess you can say in my filmmaking. I do tend to use a lot of color, a lot of saturation. I really like that vibrancy. Um, in storytelling and I actually took a lot of influence for him when I was filming Frankie's Noodles for their promo. I wanted to take this vibrancy, that colour, that those greens and reds and you know blues and really oversaturated and make it vibrant and make it interesting. So he really influenced that. Um, and I guess as on a personal level my influences they would be, to be honest, for different reasons. So my dad would be one where I think he provided me with like the practical side of stuff. So as a kid, I was always quite like inquisitive being like, how does that work? How does that work? How does that work? And he'd always tell me how it works and always then get me to 
use it. So I was always on the tools with him. Like I was one of those like weird kids that was like on the tools always. So that's really helped me in filmmaking where it's a very technical industry. So you've got to know how a camera works. You've got to know the science and the maths behind the camera. So, you know, depending on where you focus and where um, your depth of field is and stuff like that, it's all maths and it's all distance. So you've got to kind of eye it and know it um, and actually know what type of lens does what, I guess, in your filmmaking as well. So in terms of that, it's all very practical based and mathematic based, which I think dad really provided me with that or that, that inquisitiveness, I guess. Um, and I guess the second, it's a bit cliche, it's my parents, but, you know, but my mum, because she is a lover of art, a big lover of film and stuff like that. She's very artistic. And she used to take me when I was really little, like a baby, she used to take me to the big art gallery in Melbourne. And she used to always expose me to art. And she would always, as a kid, like sit me down in my bedroom and she would just bring me like a box full of like pencils and crayons and like um, all that kind of stuff, paints and stuff and paper. And she'd just say, draw me something, draw me something, you know, go and draw. And I think that love of colour that I use a lot of and all that kind of stuff is due to her kind of pushing that art and pushing like storybooks and stuff like that. There was always a lot of art in my house growing up. And I think, I guess that's where like the interest came from as well. Um, yeah. Um, who else? Oh, and one more person too for the most influencing people would be Braden Porter from Braden Porter Media. So he's um, my creative counterpart who I've worked a lot with. We worked most recently on Ben Lee's, um, the film clip uh, for him, which is really, really fun. And Braden does film work and he works at the TAFE as like a teacher and stuff like that. But he has really influenced me where he has always been quite, um, well, he's always been quite patient with me, I guess, when I was starting off. <laughs> You're laughing. He's, he essentially has exposed me to a lot of the music industry and he, the way that he directs people when he's on a shoot is actually quite admirable and he's always extremely planned. So I'm not planned at all. I just kind of run and gun it, but he's always, everything's thought out. Everything's calculated. He knows how to get the performance out of a character or out of an actor. And that to me is quite inspiring because it makes me realize that like I've, oh, it makes me kind of, no, it makes me realize that I need to maybe take a step back and be a bit more, a bit more planned rather than just running and gun. But yeah. He's very good. He's very, very good at bringing the best out of people who he works with and who he, who the performance of people. Um, what are some of the things that you've done, I guess, over your career and you still do currently that means that you can balance your art and you know creative side, but then also have time for your friends and family and be you know who you want to be and not get caught up in well, your projects you know and they take over your whole life and then you go you know I'm losing those connections with people that really matter yeah um kind of um I'm not very good at that so <laughs> like I have a daytime kind of like corporate job I guess you can say it pays the bills the arts is especially with COVID just horrific at the moment 
So I work a full-time Monday to Friday, boring nine to five job. But then as soon as I finish, I'll literally sit on my laptop in the kitchen like I am now and just edit or do something for my website or, um, you know, make merch or stuff like that. So I'm constantly like, as soon as I finish work, I spend another four hours just like working on stuff or getting ideas together or storyboarding or seeing what I want to do, which, you know, to me, that's kind of like my downtime and that's kind of relaxes me because it's not work for me. So like when I'm editing something, it's, it's not work. It's actually kind of like therapy, I guess you can say, but I guess what I try and implement more, um, is at the moment I'm trying to do more projects, mix up my, my videography and filmmaking jobs of what I get paid for, which, you know, obviously there's more pressure there and there's, you know, you've actually dealing with clients and you've actually got to create a, a result. You know, you can't experiment too much. You kind of, you've got to give them a product that's going to kind of sell what they are. I mix that at the moment. I have been mixing that with more of creative stuff with myself. So I'm just kind of like when I'm bored, just setting up the camera and just, filming something with just me as the character and just experimenting with that. Um, so there's something that I'm going to release, um, I think in the next two weeks, let's see how we go with um, how busy I am, but it's titled Space Girl. And it's just me pretending that I'm trying to get to space and my friend Space Boy has a rocket that I need to get, but he has the rocket that I need to get. So it's just weird little kind of, two three minute clips that are a mini kind of film in themselves and just having fun with that and not feeling pressure to perform or make it like tangible in terms of getting paid for it and I think that balances me out um mentally like in terms of mental health because there's no pressure in just creating for the sake of creating and I think what I found really difficult was once, well, still, you know, I'm, I get jobs and I get paid for it and I love it and it's what I want to do in my life. And I'm so thankful that I can pretty much provide for myself based on that work. It Once you start to get paid for what you generally love and your passion, it does change your relationship with the passion a lot. And you start to view it as this kind of capitalizing on your passion or your talent or your skill. And I think me just filming myself and just having fun with it and being silly and just putting it out there for no reason. I think that grounds me back to where or why I started in the first place is because I just want to tell stories for the hell of it and for fun and for the creativeness of it. And I think now doing that for myself has kind of shown myself that even though you get paid for it and this is amazing, you can still have just that fun side to it as well and don't lose that kind of visual art element that you've always loved about film do it for yourself as much as you're doing it for your clients do it for yourself as well so yeah if you were granted three wishes that would allow you to I guess work with or even film your favorite celebrities or influencers who would they be and why um, the three people that I would want to meet. So I wouldn't really know like if I would like film them, I guess I would like to, but who I, I get essentially like to be in the same room as me, you could say, is Jim Jarmusch, how I was saying before, one of my influences, Wong Kar Wai, and one of my favorite musicians, Skip James. 
So he's an old blues musician from the 20s, I believe, um, or 30s maybe. And he has a song that's featured in the movie Ghost World. So it's called uh, Devil's Got My Woman. And so I used to go to Blockbuster Video back in the late 90s and 2000s. Yes, I'm that old. Um, <laughs> I miss it so much. But I used to go there as a teenager and I would love to just walk through, like I would spend hours in there just walking through like the art house scene. And there was this amazing um, video shop in Balaclava where I lived. It's closed down now, but they had this amazing art house scene. And that's how I kind of found like Wong Kar Wai and stuff like that. Um, but I would just like walk down the aisles and just kind of see what would stand out to me. And that's how I found, you know, Jim Jarmusch. I was about 14, 15 years old and I just saw coffee and cigarettes and I was like, this looks cool. This looks really cool. I've got to go watch it. Like, what is this kind of movie? Um, but I found the movie Ghost World when I was about 15. So like 2003, three, four, three. Um, and that song, Devil Got My Woman by Skip James is featured on it. And this is literally how old I am that I would watch it on my little DVD TV in my bedroom <laughs> and that song would come on and then I'd be like, what is this song? It's amazing. I would like pause it, rewind it and then play it again just because I wanted to hear the song. So I just like pause it, rewind, play it again, pause, rewind, play it again. And I'd do this for a long time by myself for some reason um, before we had the internet in my house. Um, so I had no idea where it was from. I had no idea... Um, <laughs> how to find the song so the only way I could listen to the song was by rewinding this tape um and listening to it again so that's yeah that's my weird kind of thing um but they're the three people that I would definitely want to meet um and just I don't know not really say anything and just kind of see them I think I just want to see them you know room but yeah blockbusters they're cool you've probably missed out you're a bit younger than me I think they were the best. <laughs> yeah. What would you say has been your favourite work opportunity? Work opportunity, actually. So my first, when I first fin finished film school in 2016, I worked with this young boy, Clarence, at Good Brother Espresso. Um, I was a barista, as all artists are, at some point. <laughs> and, <laughs> and his mum... Actually, needed a, she wanted to have a female filmmaker. She was part of a band. Um, they're called the Ripple Effect, and they're from Maningrida, so the Northern Territory in Maningrida, and they're um, indigenous group that they were coming to Sydney, um, to the Sydney Conservatorium, in 2016 to or 2017, I think, to record their first EP. Um, so she needed, she wanted it to be like all female based because I was a fe all female band. She's female, part of the band and wanted a female filmmaker. So Clarence put me onto her and I got the job. This is like my first thing that I've ever done. I have no idea what I was doing. Like, I was, oh my God. Um, I would do it very differently now, but I was like, no, I'm, this is amazing that I'm a part of this, you know? So we went to the Sydney Conservatorium, stayed there for, I think I was there for 10 days or a week. And every day, each girl, um, they each had a song in their own language. Um, and there was a fir the first recording ever, at that point anyway, um, Jody was speculating, 
so um, is of Nakara language. So uh, one of the girls in the band, Jolene, she's saying a song in Nakara language and I filmed that and I just thought that was the coolest thing ever that historically, as far as they knew, there was never been a recording of that language um, ever, which there may be, but nobody has you know, seen it. Um, so as far as I knew, there was the first recording ever. And currently that footage is sitting in the Sydney Conservatorium, like their um, like records, like their historical records there. So I was like, holy shit, this is like one of the first things I've done from film school. And this is like pretty big. But all the girls, they did their EP and they did a performance in Sydney and I was there for that. And it really sparked me that first kind of major thing that I had ever done. It was all on my own. I had no money. I was staying with my sister in Sydney and it was one of those like kind of film shoots. But I made it work. I made it happen. And it was a really beautiful moment, not only for me as a filmmaker and my first kind of major role as a director, but also seeing this band and these girls create music for themselves. And it was the first time that, or the first kind of recording that they've done. And that was really cool to be a part of their story as well, as much as it was my own. Um, but yeah, you should check them out on their online. Um, so the ripple effect, amazing band, amazing songs. Um, but yeah, that was probably the biggest thing to this day. It was like a really nice way to start my career. I think. Um, yeah. What is your latest project that I guess you may be working on now or you've just finished? So my latest project, hang on, I forget what it's called. I should know it. No, it's my partner. Um, so my latest project is I just finished filming a film clip for Huckleberry and the Devil's Dandruff for their new single, You're Only Fallen, at the Lass O'Garry Hotel in Newcastle. So um, that's the latest thing. I'm still editing it, it at the moment. And it's all kind of, you know, pub world, friends, stuff like that. It's all kind of fun and vibrant and kind of silly. Um, but that is the second part of a trilogy that I'm doing for the band. So the first one was the release of Lay With You, which was released, um, I think, earlier this year. So that's part one. You're Only Fooling is part two, and then there'll be a third part to end the trilogy. So essentially all the film clips will link up. So once you start one, they'll actually link up and essentially you can watch them from start to finish all three as part of one longer film. Um, so that's kind of something that we had a lot of fun with and experimenting with and just playing around, I guess, creatively. Like, could we do like a, uh, a trilogy where you link it all up and it's one long kind of film because it's not just music clip to music clip. There's kind of interims where it's more acting and stuff like that. So that's what I'm doing at the moment. Um, and the second thing is, is I'll release, how I was saying before, Space Girl. So it's that little fun kind of um, creative visual piece, I guess you can say of myself. But that's essentially a proof of concept, I guess you can say. For a larger short, I want to do, um, for a larger feature, I want to do. So it's going to be based on essentially a astronaut who is very lonely and he wants to get to space, um, but he can't get to space. So essentially the story is he gets all his friends, 
or he finds friends, I guess, along the way, and they all help Space Boy get to space. So essentially my little art piece is the start of it. It's kind of like a little visual kind of art piece. Then I'll create a short based off that, which is actually someone in an astronaut suit pretending to be Space Boy. So if anybody wants to be an astronaut for me, please let me know. Um, you need to wear, it's kind of like a slapstick kind of, I guess you can slapsticky kind of. Um, he's non-verbal as well, so it's all going to be acted out. But yeah, if anyone wants to dress up in an astronaut suit and be my astronaut, let me know. And media, and media productions. Um, but from that, then hopefully I'm going to start to go for grants and try and get the actual major feature grant, like with grants, done. Um, but it's got to start at kind of a short, I guess you can say. So that's essentially the next two years of my life, I think. Um, just trying to get money, trying to get money to make films. So we'll see how we go. <laughs> yeah, what is your dream venue or even your dream project that you want to complete? So I don't really have a dream venue, I guess, like with filmmaking, especially videography, it, well, both. It's so varied, which is really interesting to me. Like one day, well, with the last shoot I did, one of the last with Lachlan X Morris, um, he said, oh, wear some boots and jeans and stuff. It's a little bit muddy where I'm taking you. And I was like, that's fine. A bit muddy. I can do that. Um, yeah, we had to commando crawl with my $10,000 film gear under this shrub to get to this massive bamboo forest in the middle of nowhere. Um, it had a tree house for some reason in this tree. I don't know. Um, if you go to my Instagram, you can see the photos and media production. Um, <laughs> But yeah, every shoot is different, which is great. Um, so yeah, there's not really a venue because it's just, you kind of take it as it comes. Every experience is different. Um, but what was the other one? What did I want to do? Yeah, so your dream project that you want to work oh, on. Dream project. So ideally what I was saying before is I'll create that shot with the astronaut Space Boy and that will be essentially like a proof of concept for the major feature that I want to create and with that short I'll then you know apply for grants and try and get you know some kind of relationship with I don't know industry people around I guess you can say to try and get this made because it's very expensive to make a feature film but hopefully with grants and stuff like that um, you can get it off the ground if they like the script enough so that's I there's only one thing I essentially want to do as a filmmaker is make that feature film and it's something that I created many many years ago when I was going through you know a harder time in my life as everyone does go through when you're a bit younger and me being me creating movies in my head like I was saying before it was one that came to me and really stuck with me and um it's something that I guess you can say it's almost like a analogy of myself or um I can't think of the word but essentially the main character is most likely psycho and what was it? the psychology speaking is probably like based on myself you can say um but yeah that's one that i want to make so i think if i can just make that i'll be happy as a filmmaker and anything else is a bonus yeah what was your highlight of 2021 and i guess what goals are there to make 2022 an even better year 
Nah, well, you put as much. Well, so my highlight, free, which was hard. I was like thinking about this. I was like, hmm, I had to go like back through my Instagram being like, um, I don't even remember 2021. It's like a blur. Um, <laughs> I would say that it was the silly season. How I was saying I shot that with Huckleberry and the Devil's Dandruff. Just because it was, I guess, my first kind of official film clip, you can say. Um, but again, how I was saying before that that really taught me a lot about myself and what I wanted to be as a filmmaker and how I wanted to approach filmmaking and music in the industry, like music filmmaking in the industry. So that was a highlight because it actually taught me a lot of stuff. Um, And I think 2022, the two kind of highlights, I guess you could say, was I really enjoyed making um, the Frankie's Noodles promo, which you can find on my Instagram page as well, Um, just because it was a lot of fun and... Um, a friend of mine part owns it. So he just kind of allowed me to walk in, do what I wanted to do, no dramas, and just let me experiment with the space, which I found really, you know, really interesting and really creatively, like, engaging. Um, Uh, And I guess the other one would be um, the other clip for Huckleberry and the Devil's Dandruff was Lay With You, how I was saying that was the first in the trilogy where half of that was shot through lockdown. Was that lockdown 2022 this year? No, it was last year. No, it would have been last year. Scrap that. Um, the second one, 2022, would be Sad Cowboy because, how I was saying before, it was just for after all the jobs that I was doing for other people, it was actually one that was just for me and my creative narrative, I guess you can say, that I just got to explore that character that I've always kind of wanted to and kind of create. So it was really nice to see from a child to see it on screen and just be like, oh, I actually created that. And that's, yeah, yeah. my brain is now on the screen. And that was really nice to see. (laughs) Who would you say is a photographer, videographer, filmmaker that the podcast listeners should check out? Yes, from your local, you know, art scene and I guess if you still have people from Melbourne that you want to recommend as well. So definitely number one that comes to mind is, so Braden Porter, how I was saying that I work with him a lot for years. We've always kind of tag teaming each other in jobs. For sure, Braden Porter. So he's... Well, I'm more kind of run and gun kind of art house cinema, my kind of style. He's more classic cinema. He's more very thought out and very classic, kind of loves a lot of horror. So Braden Porter Media, I would say look him up because if you want like band stuff, he works a lot with bands um, more than me. He's really, really good. Like he really does think about the whole process and creates amazing stuff. Um, We work together on Piper Butcher, I think 2021 it must have been, um, for Haunting Your Thoughts. Um, So he created that whole narrative, that whole idea, um, and it was in this church somewhere in the bush. I don't even know where it was. But, yeah, we did that with Piper Butcher. So he's did an amazing job. Um, So check out his stuff, I would say. Um, Who else? I don't really know any other videographers. I'm just trying to think. I would shout out. I know I know them, but I can't think. Oh, actually, no. Where's my phone? 
you can cut, you can cut, you can, you can edit it. You yeah. can edit this out. <laughs> Hang on. Sorry, my brain is like, so is it just people in the industry? Yeah, anyone that you want to give a shout out to. Shout out. Oh, another one I'd like to give a shout out to is um, Newy underscore Picks, who does a lot of work with The Lass. Um, so they do a lot of like photos, getting into videography, stuff like that. Love their stuff. Um, a friend of mine, I would definitely recommend them if you want some cool band shots, um, has also done some band shots for Huckleberry and the Devil's Dandruff. So, you know, um, does a good job. What else? That's pretty much it. I'm trying to think. I've got bands and stuff, but that's not really what. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Um, it's been great chatting with you today, Miranda. Good luck with your projects and I'm sure the fans are looking forward to the rest of the Huckleberry and the Devil's Dandruff trilogy that you were talking about and I'm sure some people listening to this will message you for advice or you know um, work opportunities if they're keen to collaborate with such a extraordinary you know videographer filmmaker such as yourself so yeah, it's been very wonderful hearing your stories and, yeah, all the best. Thanks, Amanda. I'd just like to also personally thank you for listening uh, to me ramble off for an hour and a half. Um, <laughs> thanks a lot. And, again, too, like, um, I think what you're doing is really great to document um, different artists in the industry that are local, different musicians, and things like that, I think it's really important to document that and let people have a voice and let the, the smaller people have a voice as well. So people who maybe, you know, they're on social media but need, you know, to, to kind of get to know them as an artist, this is a really good platform for that. So thank you for having me and I look forward to hearing the recording. <laughs> Uh, make sure to follow What's New on the Scene on Facebook, Instagram, and Spotify. You can listen to the episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Anchor. The links are in the bios on Instagram and Facebook. And I hope you look forward to listening to more episodes from Season 4 of What's New on the Scene. We've been What's New on the Scene. See you next time.